0: Get more of a woman's view online at ksl.com. Keyword, woman. Now. Amanda Dixon on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Thank you so much for spending some of your Sunday here with me on KSL News Radio. Liz Sallis is my guest, marketing and communications manager with the Salt Lake County Library. Pamela Atkinson joins me, community advocate and advisor to Governor Herbert. And Jean Millar is here, the executive director of the Women and Newborns Clinical Program at Intermountain Healthcare. And I want to talk a little bit about I saw this article this week that. When it comes to the countries with the biggest gaps between the rich and the poor, the United States is number nine, Pamela. And so, you know, I see the stories about the economy humming along. And I feel very blessed that my family is, that we have abundance in our lives. And yet I know that is not true for everyone in the country, for everyone in Utah. And so I posted that story on my Facebook page, and had a variety of reactions. But I want your wisdom first, please, on that topic.
1: Well, the the gap has seemed to be getting larger. And um, there are misconceptions about low income people that they aren't trying hard enough. And I look at poverty as being on a continuum and there are some people at one end of the continuum, they're they're wanting us to enable them to continue as they are. But scattered along that continuum at the very end, are people who take pride in their work and their family and will do anything uh, to get ahead. But it's very hard if you're being paid $10 an hour but a living wage is $17 to $18 an hour, which includes childcare, transportation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So many people who go to the food bank—they um, have a sense of shame. They tell me, because they don't like to take what they call charity, but nevertheless, they're very grateful for it. Um, one illustration: One man was earning seven and a half dollars, minimum wage. And um, they never had enough food in the family. And the wife tried to be a mother to the three kids and pick up odd jobs. So I struck up a bargain with them. And he actually signed a contract with me. And so for, for four months, I paid rent, utilities, food, school supplies, anything. And he went off to um, ply Technology College and took computer uh, training we were able to get a a laptop donated for him. And um, I went over there one evening. Not only was the dad at his laptop and his books and everything doing his homework, the three kids were all around him. And I just stood at the door looking in. They were all doing their homework. And occasionally they'd look at their dad and smile and he'd look at them and smile. And the mother told me that, since their dad has gone back to school, they kids were learning even more. Um, Long story cut short, he got a job after 12 weeks uh, at the college, and it was $17 an hour. He's now making something like $29 an hour. But his son called me when he's graduated from high school, and they're all doing very well. Somebody believed in him, that happened to be, I just happened to come along and believed in the family. But to see those kids when we went shopping for groceries, they said, can we have an orange? Can we have an apple? Can we have a banana? But they're doing something similar. The Department of Workforce Services, right here in Utah in the intergenerational program and helping out people who are willing to uh, help themselves and take advantage of opportunities. My point is there are thousands of people like that who will jump at the chance. But we've got food insecurity. More? Do we have more now, Pamela, than we did five years ago? When school stopped, there are 142,000 children in Utah who have lost those two meals a day of breakfast and lunch. <clears throat> and if, if people donate $10 to the food bank for the children's program, that translates into $73 of food that can be provided. So they have the school programs where they meet in parks and the food bank comes along and delivers food. Um, so the children get a meal in the park and then they've filled their backpack With food for the weekend and food for the evening meal.
0: Before I get these these ladies' uh, opinions, why do you think it is that we have such abundance but more on the other end of the spectrum, too? More poverty, more food insecurity.
1: And If you look at um, the recession we hit in 2008, there were a great many jobs that were lost. We were able to help many of those people get further training and move on, but a lot of people were waiting for their jobs to come back, and those jobs are never coming back. We have to invest more. Utah's doing a great job, though, but we, as a country, we need to invest more in the retraining of people as they get laid off. We need more people with the STEM, the science, technology, maths, engineering, etc. We have employers right now scouring the world to get employees to come to Utah. But we have a group of people who are graduating this year. They have the the right skills, and they're going to have a choice of half a dozen jobs. But it's the people who have the lowest skills who need that $17 an hour in order to uh, pay for their family Mm. to live. How do do you see this problem, Jean?
2: So... um A a colleague of mine said something very um, insightful. Several years ago, we were at lunch, and she asked, you know, if we weren't working today, like, if we could do anything, what would we do? And um, I have been able to, been privileged to do some humanitarian work um, in third world countries. And so I was describing that I would want to do more of that, you know, travel the world and teach skills, um, this primarily medical and resuscitation skills abroad, and she said, and I'll never forget this because it's really stuck with me and kind of realigned my thinking. She said, but there's such a need here locally. Why would you not spend your efforts yeah. here? And and it really opened my eyes too, and I think I'm much more aware in our community of the needs that are there and how I can serve. Um, in just locally, um, with uh, needs that that present themselves, mm-hmm. so the YWCA is doing fantastic work um, around serving women in our communities. That's an organization that um, I've enjoyed having the opportunity to um, at least affiliate in some way with. Um, but we certainly have huge dramatic needs mm. in our own community. Mm. Um, the thought of children going to bed hungry just humbles me, and um, there is, again, so much more that we can do. Mm. Mm. Liz, how do you understand this? So I
3: would agree with Jean. I think it's um, just like we encourage people to shop local. I think we need to serve local. I, I just think that those experiences help give you... Um, it validates your your efforts, and we all like validation. And so... I also just uh, would say that we need to look at how we recruit. We need to rethink recruitment. I know that in a lot of agencies, government agencies included, we have created barriers instead of opportunities when it comes to being able to hire people. And so what will happen is you'll have a very talented individual, sometimes people who are refugees, who've come to Utah as a resettlement community with a law degree from the country where they lived. And they're, they're custodians. Yeah. because we won't recognize their skill set, we don't recognize their talent. Why? Why not? Well, because we've decided we're only going to recognize accredited universities and colleges or things like that. Yeah. So that we create barriers with our hiring. And and sometimes even internally once people do get past some of those barriers, we we don't allow them opportunity to move up because again, same the same barriers present. Education is often one of the main barriers. Um I find when we've looked to hire many people, there's a lot of times when we want a community person. We want somebody who lives in that community to, to do the work because it's important for people to see who they are in these positions. And yet we say that and our policies don't reflect that. Mm-hmm. So I think looking at that is really critical no matter where you're um, working, whether it's government, private institutions, nonprofit I really think we need need to find a way to provide more opportunity, and um, I I just think to focus less on policy, because policy is important, but it's a barrier.
0: Mm. The right policy, I guess, would not be. We'd focus on getting the right policy in there, maybe.
3: There was a story I read about somebody who came into HR in a large corporation, and they changed their dress code policy to two words, dress appropriately. Yeah. And people lost their minds. And they were like, but I have salespeople going out in the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, tell them to dress appropriately Appropriately. for the job. That's all they need. Yeah.
0: We'll we'll take another (laughs) break and be back with uh, my wonderful guest this week on A Woman's View. Back in just a moment.